welcome to a new episode of the Computomics podcast. We have another great guest today. He's a global strategist for consumer foods at Rabobank, and he and the team publish research that is relevant to food companies worldwide. In addition, he's also the host of the Consumer Foods to Go podcast series. Cyril Filot, welcome to the Computomics podcast. Yeah, great. Well, great to be on. Thank you. We love to have you. Um, Cyril, I, I introduced you as a global strategist for consumer foods. What does that mean specifically for your role at Rabobank? Wow, that's a, <laughs> that's a, so when people ask me this question uh, outsiders, right? I, I always say I'm a storyteller. Mm. And there's a lot of background behind that. So let's let's start with, with where I work, and that's Rabobank. So Rabobank is a leading food and agribusiness bank in the world. So outside of the Netherlands, we only are involved with the food and agribusiness supply chain, whether it's farmers to food processing companies. So that's that's the first point. The second point there is that within Rabobank, we have an insights group, of which I'm part, who provides well, insights to the clients of Rabobank. And uh, there, there are 70 of us, and I'm heading the consumer team there. Um, so we're we focusing very much on the trends in consumers, in food retail, in the food service, you, you name it. Um, and we do this indeed through reports. But, and this, this is where the storytelling part comes in, um, I like to be on stage. I like to be in boardrooms. So we get invited quite a lot in the past, a bit more than now, unfortunately, <laughs> because of COVID. <laughs> but the, the, we are really, uh, well, sharing out stories, providing the outside in view uh, to the client base of our So, um, and that's where the storytelling part comes in, right? Uh, that, that's what I do. Great. Sounds like an like an amazing uh, time that you're having, even though now I assume it's more Zoom meetings than than boardrooms <laughs> yes, <laughs> where you get to. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to travel again. And uh, uh, well, for the audience, we're recording this on the 22nd of December. <laughs> Sorry, I have a podcast. So I know that you occasionally have to timestamp your, your, your podcast. But the, so in, in the second half of 2021, I did travel a bit and, and did meet executives again. But most of it is indeed through Teams or Zoom. Mm -hmm. And um, in in these in these talks, you said you're you're a storyteller. So so if if we imagine now we're in such a such a board meeting, what would be a, a story that you've maybe told recently? Yeah. So so yeah. Let me use as an example a, a presentation that I gave to a CEO and a COO of a large food company in Spain. I can't share the the, the details, of course, mm -hmm. on this podcast, but. You know, what I tend to do is give the outside in view on their business. So what are the key things, that's a bit of a vague word, but still things that, they, that the CEO, CEO need to think about when doing their strategic planning. And there's, there's quite a few topics currently to think about, but what I did in that particular presentation, I focused on three, which is on the short term inflation, And uh, again, I said we were recording this at the end of December of 2021. The big headline story in the new year will be food inflation. No shadow of a doubt. So we talked about how they as a food processor are going to increase prices towards the retailers and all that. And we can go into that later during this podcast if you're interested. The second story, which is a more midterm story, is how do you serve your consumers in the future? Because The COVID pandemic has led to a shift in consumer behavior, behavior in terms of purchasing. So in the past, 
you know, 95% of all groceries, of all food would be bought in a supermarket. 5% online or in other places. And I'm discounting here food service, by the way. That has changed. And we are now buying our food products online more and more. Depends a bit on the country where, where you are. Germany is quite a bit behind, I must say. Uh, but in other countries, now 10% of, of, of grocery shopping is done online. And then there's direct-to-consumer. So not even through a platform, but really direct ship to you. So the big challenge for food companies, how do you cater to all these consumers uh, through all these channels. So that's the second one. I'm also happy to go deeper into it if, if, you, if you are interested. The third one is the real long-term story. And that is um, the, and this is a 2021 story, and, but it, it's really for the next you know, five to 10 years. Scope three emissions is the key, well, sort of phrase here. So one step back, emissions in general need to come down clear to everybody right mm -hmm. and when you look at a food retailer or a food processing company and look at their emissions only a sliver so you know around five percent or so or less is because of their own business which is their own electricity use the own refrigeration the own use of, of materials so 95 percent is of, uh, of the emissions are related to the products sold through a supermarket or products that are coming into a factory and, and, and uh, yeah, that, that are transformed into a food product. When, no, not when, the world is aiming to get to net zero by, let's say, 2050. So, but for these food retailers or food companies, 95% of the emissions that they are responsible for are not in their direct control. Mm -hmm. because they're up in the supply chain. This is the biggest story. This is a long-term story. This is the, the, because how do you change your supply chain? How do you change your packaging? How do you change farming practices? How do you change logistics? I, well, we did a podcast on this on the Consumer Foods to Go podcast. I can talk for hours about this, how complicated that is. And that, so that is what we're currently discussing in boardrooms, as in from, from short-term issues and how do you deal with inflation and the current supply-demand imbalance that you see for containers and you name the products that you have, up until the really long-term view as in how do you get to net zero? Yeah, I mean that's that's in a way you're you're mirroring the challenges that the that the companies are facing because you also have to look at kind of what are we dealing with right now? What is like yeah. the, the the hot topic, hot button issue right this minute yeah. um, and maybe within the next few months, but then also have this 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 years and years in advance, this long-term look um, as well. So um, it, I think it would be interesting to actually to go into a little more in-depth into into all of these main points. Sure. Um, you've named food inflation um, yeah. as the hot topic at the moment, um, the shift in behavior and the long-term story of um, reducing emissions. So um, yeah. if you look at food inflation, what would you say, um, what, you know, what are you like, how are you looking to tackle that um, at the moment? <laughs> or, or like, oh, what advice are you giving? I mean, you are about strategic advice. Yeah, yeah. we are, way. but well, technically we are not allowed to get to name it advice, but we are uh, okay. to, to kickstart the discussion, <laughs> regulator stuff. Let's not go into that. The, um, so let, let's first start, uh, discuss the causes of what we see. And, and inflation is the result. So the prices that are going up, the inflation is the result actually of supply demand imbalances that we see. So uh, outside of our my world, the food and agri world, think about the, the, the structural shortage that we currently see in computer chips, right? The car production is down and that's the most famous example. Mm -hmm. um, this, is, this has been 
driven by a surge in demand. Consumers across the globe, but especially in, in, in the US and Europe, um, still have a sufficient amount of money and they, did, they weren't able uh, to spend it on services. So they spend it on goods. So there's suddenly a rush of goods on the supply side. We've seen because of COVID some disruptions in factories and all that. So you've seen an in, in imbalance. So uh, and and for example, the Chinese have been very strict on on exporting stuff, and and, and their harbors have been very uh, very tight in terms of letting goods out and and checks on on COVID. So there's you know that that's one driver there there where where you see a true supply demand uh, imbalance. The other one that we've seen, that which is not related to the product itself, but I think is a very important one, is labor. Um, we have seen the great retirement. Many people have retired. Many people have switched sectors. And especially in the lower earning jobs, which is manufacturing jobs or working in a restaurant, these people have, are gone. And so, mm. th 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 so th this has all led to higher prices and let's not even talk about energy prices which is a, a very hot topic which is also higher so as a result of which um the supply demand and imbalance prices have gone up food manufacturers had to pay more for the goods coming in and they are now going to increase prices towards the retailers that's happening right now when you do your shopping in the when you did it in august you probably paid less than you do currently in december next year you will pay a lot more for your food Really, that that's um, there's a warning here, and uh, it, it will become <laughs> listeners much <more> beware. <laughs> You've been warned now. <laughs> yeah, now it, it really becomes more expensive because of of the there's a gradual process of increasing these mm. prices through the value chain. It doesn't happen instantly. Um, it is incredibly difficult to say from for, and you are you mentioned advice to give, but what so there's there's two main things to monitor, and then I'll get to sort of a bit of an advice part. Next year, I think some of the supply demand imbalances that we're seeing might just go away to a degree, hopefully, as in the Chinese might open up or, you know, uh, production get adjusted to the increase in demand that we've seen also for some products. The initial shock is, is definitely going to be gone. So that, that's the good news. However, um, geopolitics is incredibly unpredictable. So what if, and again, we're recording this at the end of December, but what if Russia would... Uh, invade Ukraine? What will happen to natural gas prices? Who knows? What if China is going to uh, ent uh, well, uh, enter Taiwan? Th that's always a possibility. Um, what, what's happening in the US? So, so geopolitics, however unpredictable they are, are going to be a major driver in you know, potentially creating more supply demand imbalances. So that's, that's number one. Number two is uh, labor, which is, is is probably a very difficult one to solve, especially from a European point of view, where migrant workers, apart from the great ret retirement, migrant workers have moved back to the east of Europe and are unlikely to come back. So this is a a, a, a structural change that you see and where companies have to pay more for the, for, for, for labor. So the, the bit of advice, and again, I can't call it advice, um, but we, the point that we're discussing with, with Rabobank clients is, what can you do? So on the labor side, automation is one, more machines, which is perhaps a nasty thing to say, but you know that's perhaps the only way to get your, 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 your manufacturing uh, going on. The second one um, is to think about your supply chain in a different way. 
And so, so many companies worked in a just-in-time fashion, as in, okay, I'm going to produce this uh, now, so I will have the wheat or sugar or whatever commodity coming in, you know, 30 minutes beforehand, I can work on it, and then I'll ship it immediately to the retailer who sells it within the next day or two. We think that that is going to, that you have to think differently and move to mm. a just-in-case environment instead of just in time so that you just build more inventory to be sure that you know whatever disruption we are seeing whether it's geopolitical labor related you name it everything that i mentioned before that you're ready for it and that you have inventory to mm. it. so it's perhaps a bit of a long-winded answer on, on no. this one but it's a fundamental challenge that food companies are facing mm. and um they need to think well, we believe they need to think differently, structurally differently about the way that they source their product and, and, and think about the supply chain. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that also leads me to think about, because you said, you know, la the labor issue, machines will become more important. Um, where do you see the role of, of new tech uh, in advancing the food tech industry, like, you know, AI, machine learning, uh, not just mechanical machines? Uh, this is going, so we're going to combine a few topics here. Um, demand planning, for example, is, is a hot topic in, in, in food in the last two years, where we see a lot of artificial intelligence companies arise and, and start working with algorithms to better prepare well, de demand as in production, which also helps then on the front end in getting your, your supply in. And um, that doesn't necessarily work in times where products may not be available, as we saw this year. Um, but so that's why I, I mentioned before that we you need to move from just in time to just in case. But in, in, in a more normalized environment, this is becoming a very important. In general, this will help around uh, planning uh, for supply and demand. Let me add to that. Um, I talk, and this is the long-term topic that I talked about, the scope three mm -hmm. emissions, the climate change. We believe as a bank that, th that the supply chain needs to be much more connected because you know, what a farmer is doing has impact on the retailer. As, as I said, 95% of the emissions are not in the con direct control of the retailer, but it may happen at the farm level. So what you need to have is knowledge exchange between, well, from the farmer up to the retailer. You need data exchange because what what is the emissions actually at the farm level, and it is the product is being transformed along the supply chain to get to the retailer. But the retailer needs to know what the emissions are at the end. So data is going to be incredibly important. And the third element, and that's where we as a bank come in, of course, is um, investments need to happen to reduce emissions. You need different equipment, different farming practices, different processing uh, facilities. And that's why you need financing. And so, so knowledge exchange, data exchange, and, and financial solutions are the three ones here. Where on the data side, uh, a lot needs to happen. So apart, I'm not sure whether it is truly artificial intelligence, but at least making that connection in the supply chain happening is going to be a major theme in the next few years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, now, and I, I do like this kind of organic shifting between those those major themes that you <laughs> that you kind of identified at the beginning yeah. so helpfully. Um, uh, one big one was also the the shift in behavior, which yeah. is the one you you didn't um, go into detail. Now, that's something I'm really interested in because it's it's not just uh, or even before the pandemic. Let's say uh, we've seen a shift in behavior. At least yeah. I can speak for my kind of local community here in in, in Germany in Tübingen. <laughs> um, yeah. Very green um, people have. Some Some have bought more online, but a lot, a lot of people were were looking to buy more locally. Um, how how do you see like or or what would you say um, 
is is maybe the besides the online buying the change in consumer behavior that has had the the biggest impact yeah so so um a sense of community we've seen in the during the pandemic and even before the, the pandemic so local is for some consumers a theme especially the more affluent as in <laughs> if you have money to spend people are more willing to spend it when they ha- where they have the uh, sort of the provenance if, if you know that english word which mm-hmm. is basically understanding where it comes from the product and and which could be much more local um so that, that is that has been and will be an important trend also linking this to climate change locally product grown product may just not always but may just have a lower uh, carbon footprint than product that comes from afar so that could be another trigger for the consumer to to go and and buy locally the the other thing we've we've noticed and also in germany by the way is and this goes back to the online story um we've 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 moved so uh, one step back 20 years ago people would do their grocery shopping at a supermarket then in some countries you saw some online shopping happening delivery or click and collect at the uh, at the supermarket um in the last few years but especially during the pandemic i think 2021 will be in an important year in the, in the history of this one we saw quick commerce flink zap gorillas Getia, those type of companies GoPuff. suddenly consumers in cities uh, are very interested to have food delivered to their door in 15 minutes, groceries delivered to their door in 15 minutes, which is a, 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 from a behavioral point of view, very interesting. Because when you go into a supermarket, you have time. Well, most of the time you have time. You, and, and, and people, Speak for uh, yourself. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I, my family hates go, uh, going to the supermarket with me because I take time because that's my mm-hmm. job to be interested in what's happening in supermarkets. So I spend a lot of time in supermarkets. <laughs> The, the, uh, so, but people will look at products. They will understand, try and understand them. Whereas when you use quick commerce, it's impulse. I want it now. There's, there's just, there's limited choice. They don't, people don't care. Click, 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 and have it with, to, uh, with the, in, in the home in, mm-hmm. in 15 minutes. It's a very different type of, 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 um, uh, you know, of behavior, which, uh, it's also for food companies very interesting because com- com- some companies, of course, were moving to you know, how do I sell well in a, in, a, in a supermarket? How do I sell well in old-fashioned online? There I say, call it already old-fashioned online. <laughs> and now you need to come up with a different type of proposition for, for this quick commerce uh, grocery, which is, is, yeah, as I said in the introduction, is going to be a, an interesting challenge. And not only from a branding and marketing point of view, but also from a supply chain point of view. So. Mm-hmm. That that's go, that those are very important changes in behavior that we've seen. Mm. I mean, speaking of the of the supply chain point of view, um, I mean that would also mean uh, again to have, if I understand it correctly, um, uh, to have more more on hand just in case if we go to that model, right? Um, to conserve food or or have quicker routes. How do you how do you see or where do you see the? Um, well, um, so. As, as a food producer, you have to deal with more clients with, and that act in a different way. The story up until a few years ago, of course, was with, with the growth of e-commerce, again, old-fashioned e-commerce. Um, uh, Ocado in the UK, which is the, 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 the largest uh, uh, delivery company, grocery delivery company in Europe. They were very different than other retailers because they would send orders to their 
suppliers every day. So not on a weekly basis. So send me a truck mm-hmm. of, I don't know, uh, pasta. No, they were sent in order every day because they wanted to keep as little inventory as possible. So that already was a change for food companies. Okay, so for a retailer, I need to have a truck ready that I send every week. And for this online retailer, I need to have a pallet ready because I need to shift every day. Um, And now with quick commerce, it might be different again. And adding to the complexity there is that a growing part of grocery shopping is also direct-to-consumer. But direct-to-consumer products, because of the high shipping costs, tend to be specialty. As, uh, apart from perhaps pet food and larger packed items, but more things that you can't buy in a supermarket. So that's different type of inventory. That is different type of production processes. So it makes the world more complicated. And that's perhaps where technology and IT comes in. And how do you manage all that? How do you manage the inventory? How do you manage those production systems? To, to and th- These are four channels that I mentioned. To sell mm-hmm. into those four channels that you, uh, that you see. Yeah, for sure. Um, interesting. I mean, I think that's that's kind of the the big view that that the consumer doesn't necessarily always have, right? How like how complicated the the supply chain, the food supply chain has has gotten, um, and yeah. and all the factors that that influences just the ones we've mentioned, you know, like geopolitics, uh, climate, um, yeah. the pandemic, um, and also just behavior, the way we we actually buy and consume our our foods that um, has an effect all the way up uh, up the food um, supply chain. Mm. Yeah, 95% of the consumers are just not aware of this and they just go mm-hmm. into the supermarket. They don't know how products are being made unless you're a bit of a geek like me and you watch those programs on YouTube and you, you know how, how food products are processed. Um, no, most people, they have no clue. And, and that is fine. Um, but I do believe at one point, we the awareness of, of sort of where food comes from and how it is being produced, I think it is important. Um, so... I mean, you you are part of of uh, the the I guess a, a move to to create more awareness. Maybe I don't know uh, your your audience uh, of the podcast might be a little <laughs> bit more specialized um, uh, of your own of your own podcast. Um, yeah. But um, I think that could be something to look into as well. I mean, an additional challenge to um, to tackle. How do we how do we maybe also raise awareness um, yeah. and and have that as a factor? We, we as Rabobank are trying to do that in the Netherlands, where we also have retail operations. Uh, and, and are talking, well, co- talking to or marketing to our consumers about this, uh, our customers about this. But it's not that easy. And 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 to be honest, most co- cu- uh, customers or consumers in the supermarket they don't care. Uh, so it is, it's a journey that that we're definitely on. In terms of the podcast, uh, my audience is very much uh, corporate. So <laughs> it, it, <laughs> I do have some bycatch in terms of interested consumers, but in general, it's corporate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also be interested in, and this may be a little bit beyond your scope, so feel free to tell me if if it is. But um, mm-hmm. how do you see uh, th- this changed consumer behavior that you've that you've now mapped so so beautifully? How do you see that impacting plant breeding? So so even like uh, even earlier in the food supply chain. Oh, that is an interesting question. Um, there's a few thoughts going through my mind here. So you, potentially, given that there's, there's more and more types of channels, you also need more types of products with different shelf lives and, and all that. So you might have to to adjust plant breeding methods uh, to this. But that, that's that that's I'm not the true expert on this. But given that you just have you need to have more types of, of food products, that may happen from here. Um, the second important uh, 
interesting. I, I said important. I'll, I'll like to rewind on that. Interesting trend that we're seeing, of course, is uh, vertical farming, mm-hmm. which is um, currently mostly herbs, lettuce, those type of products. Um, but that might might advance from here, which needs different types of of, of seeds and different type of, of products uh, to, to go there. And we do see a lot of momentum in vertical farming, I must say, um, with some companies. Uh, there's there's a I forgot the name, but there's a big one in Germany. There's Planet Farms in Italy, and there's a few more. And in the US, there's a few very large ones who are now really ready to supply or are also supplying to retailers. And again, I, I, I know a few and yeah, they ask for different types of, of, of seeds. And, and, and some of them are investing directly because it needs to optimize, uh, be optimized the seeds for the environment that mm-hmm. the, the, well, the, 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 the herbs and the, and the lettuce and all that grow in. And so the lighting and, and then, well, and uh, whether you use aquaponics or hydroponics. So, Yes, it, it, that's definitely some some advancements in uh, in, in that as well. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we've mentioned your podcast a number of times now. Um, what are what are the topics? Maybe the next topics we can look forward to uh, with the podcast. Uh, so if you if you if you want to share, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm always happy to share. So the 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 podcast is um, this this sort of I have two buckets of topics that I like to think of. Uh, what's new mm-hmm. uh, or what is interesting and, and unknown to the corporate audience that I mentioned before, or what should be top of mind or what is top of mind and and uh, and, and we should discuss. So inflation, I hadn't touched upon uh, up until this year. And then this year I did a podcast on inflation itself, on labor costs, on, on shipping, because it is top of mind of the audience. And, and I like to well think with them basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's sort of the new or of interesting bucket. So I did a podcast uh, on uh, what's happening in Japanese convenience food. Japan is a very interesting, fascinating food market, and they, in some ways, are very much advanced in, for, in how convenience food are being sold. That's the past. So I, I'm not a real planner in terms of, of what we're going to do uh, into next year. However, the first one we are going to launch into the next year will be um, what investors are interested in. So many food companies are listed on stock exchanges, mm-hmm. and we are going to discuss, okay, um, you know, I have a view on what should be interesting to to food companies, but investors might have different types of of interest, and they are important stakeholders for food companies as well. So that will be the first one into uh, into the next year, and I'm pretty sure that we will be talking inflation again next year, and I'm pretty sure that we're talking climate change again into the next year because mm-hmm. that those two topics are not going to go away anytime soon. <laughs> uh, and new ideas come up, so we will definitely present them to the uh, to the audience. That's amazing. Maybe as a, as a final question, I, um, if you can give us a look, uh, you, you gave us a look topically into what's yeah. what you have done and and are planning to do, but um, also how you come up with the topics because you mentioned you have 70 i think colleagues in yeah, yeah, the research yes. department yeah. that's a lot of people who are really on top of what's <laughs> happening um how do you how do you actually find your topics or is there a way for people maybe to to bring in um specific ideas as well yeah so that's that's a a great suggestion by the way i'm always open to have uh, ideas um so please feel free to reach out to me and and i think the details well you can find my details on linkedin for example people can reach out to, to me to, on linkedin um 
I'm not able to read all the, the material that, that my 70 colleagues produce on a, on a daily basis, but occasionally there's something in there that I just think is fascinating and should be mentioned on the, uh, on, on the podcast. Um, but creativity is something that, that is very difficult to channel. So sometimes I just have a light bulb moment or I have a conversation with someone. I think, hey, this is interesting. Let's do a podcast on it. Let's explore this and let's do a podcast on it. So I'm, 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 I'm in that sense, um, I don't, as I mentioned, I don't like to plan ahead that much. It's just whenever I come across something that is really interesting, I'll uh, I'll bring it forward. Yeah, and I think we just in this podcast in this episode uh, we've seen kind of how how broad of a, a range you have with your interest <laughs> and with your knowledge. Um, and uh, yeah, I want to thank you, uh, Cyril, for for taking the time to speak with us, um, for enlightening us on these these major themes uh, from kind of the hot button button topic of food inflation over the shift in consumer behavior uh, to the long term story of uh, climate change and the reduction of emission. These these challenges. Um, I think it was it was super interesting, and I'm definitely I feel motivated to to listen to a few more of your um, episodes. Uh, for everyone out there, um, uh, the Cyril's podcast is called Consumer Foods to Go. Um, Cyril, yeah. where where can we listen to the podcast? On on most platforms. So it's it's on our own website, which is rabobank.com, but also on Spotify, on the Apple Podcast app, on Deezer, uh, you name it, you can find it everywhere. Just Google it. Yeah, you can find it. Just, just Google it indeed. It's definitely <laughs> worth a listen. Um, and uh, thank you again for taking the time, Cyril. Um, to our audience out there, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Computomics podcast as much as I did. Thank you very much for listening. And feel free to check out our other episodes on your podcatcher or on our website, computomics.com. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>